Hello! Thank you for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. We're excited to start this podcast to share with you what God is doing here in Castle Rock, Colorado. We meet each week and we have worship, a message, and an awesome free meal that we share. For more information on Saturday Night Supper Club, you can go to www.saturdaynightsupperclub.org. This week, we're hearing from Carla Swanigan, a dear friend of Supper Club and founder of Carla Swanigan Ministries. Carla is especially gifted at sharing the heart of God in a relatable way that's really engaging and fun, but also in a way that challenges you to grow deeper in your walk with God. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to check out Carla Swanigan Ministries podcast. They put out podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and you can find it on Google Play. Let's hear from Carla as she shares about Scandalous Grace. Um, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have my voice because I just got back from visiting my mom and my family in Mississippi last week, and when I got back, I had the flu, and so I... I had no voice and um, had the fever and the sinus and all that going. So I'm real glad that's my praise report this week that I actually am here and able to speak to you guys because all that is gone. So, um, yeah, while I was down in Mississippi, you just let me know if you need me to do anything, Tim. Okay. Um, when I was down in Mississippi, it was crazy because I haven't gotten to go home in about a year. So I went to see my mom. My brother and his wife still live there. My sister lives there again. So um, the whole family except me is there, so I went home for a visit. And the craziest thing happened, you guys. I was talking on the phone to my oldest son, Zachary, who lives in Indianapolis. And he was telling me about this ongoing drama that he was having at work, and he was asking my advice. And, and you know, like John says, I talk with my hands. And so I'm holding my big, like, brick phone up to my ear because I have the iPhone 6 Plus, which is like having a computer laptop up to your head. <laughs> And then it's attached to my wallet, you know, so everything's it's this big clunky thing. And so I'm just talking away and talking with my hands and I'm just walking circles because I pace. Does anybody else pace when they're on the phone? So I'm just talking to him and I'm just walking around my mom's pool. And I'm just talking, talking, talking and telling him what I think. And he's saying this stuff and I'm, I'm you know, just totally into it and passionate about my position on on the subject, and all of a sudden this wasp comes at me, and I'm like diving, trying to miss the wasp, and I'm talking to him, and just kind of like this fly right here right now, and as I'm doing that, I'm moving my hand around, and all of a sudden it flies straight at my face, and I'm like, ah, and I throw my hands up. Now, I'm from here to Lee Damiano from my mom's pool. That phone goes up, y'all, and it's like in slow motion. You know, your life replays before your eyes. And my phone just did a total dive and landed in the deep end of her pool. To make matters more enjoyable, I don't swim. That's a whole nother message for another time. Um, but I can't swim. I'm terrified, especially of the deep end of the water. So I'm standing there and I'm like, my phone, my phone's in the pool, my phone's in the pool. And I'm screaming and my stepdad is way up on her porch, you know, up on the, the pool and the house are like separated by a big yard, you know. So my stepdad is like, who's on the phone? Who's calling? I'm like, no, my phone's in the pool. And so then my mom comes around and it's like this whole dramatic thing. And she's like, Andy, jump in the pool. She can't swim. Jump in the pool. And he's fully dressed. 
got out, you know, his watch, his wedding ring, everything on. And I'm like, don't jump in the pool. It's okay. It's dead. It's not, it's not going to come back to life because now it's been in there. For, it's at the deep end. It's been in there for a while. It's a goner. And she's like, save it, Andy. Save the phone. <laughs> so I felt like we were on some kind of TV show, you know, because it was so hilarious. But ends up my stepdad strips down to his skivvies. We all turn our back and he jumps in and rescues my phone from the deep end of the pool. And of course, it, like I said, it's attached to my wallet. So it has all my money and everything, all my cash is wet, my credit cards, all my business cards, anything that was in there, you know, receipts, everything's soaking wet. And I, and I hold it and it's like dripping water. And my mom's like, well, honey, I heard if you put it in a bag of rice, I'm like, mom, that's if it gets like a little wet. This has been soaking in the deep end of the pool. So um, I went up to the AT&T store in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, about 15 minutes before they closed, we got there. My sister drove like crazy to get me there. And um, thank the Lord Jesus for insurance. I had insurance on my phone. So um, they said they'd FedEx me a new one, but it would be three or four days before I would get it. So they gave me this little, I call it my burner phone. I was telling her earlier, my burner phone. Um, because it was, a, I guess it's an Android. And I've always used an Apple phone. So it was like, you know, Chinese. I didn't understand how to use it. It felt different in my hand. I didn't know how to work any of the apps. I didn't know how to call anybody. I mean, not to mention that I only had John's phone number memorized. I, don't have, I didn't even have my kids' phone numbers memorized. So I was like totally cut off from the rest of the world. That's what it felt like to me. And on top of that, my mom doesn't have internet because she lives out in the woods. So I couldn't like use iMessage. I couldn't get on and you know check my email or anything like that. So it was real interesting for me to to feel that being out of town, already being away from my family because I went by myself and not with my kids and not with my husband. And then of course, to not have my connection to the outside world, you know, working and no contacts, no anything. And so it was real crazy just feeling that disconnected feeling. But then it was kind of cool because after a few days, I was like, I like this phone. You know, it's real lightweight, fits in my pocket. You know, it's, it's lighter than my other one. And the maps, the Google Maps, who knew about Google Maps? I didn't know about that. It's way better than Siri. And so it was giving me great directions all around to below the whole time I was there. And so I started just really liking it. And I was like, man, my new, my new phone, my replacement phone comes tomorrow. But I think I'm going to hold on to this little burner phone. I really like it. And so I was thinking about that the next day, my iPhone came back and they restored everything and got all my contacts back in there. And that night, you know, the night before I left, I was finally reconnecting back to civilization, it felt like. And I was just kind of talking to the Lord and I was like, thank you so much, God, you know, for replacing my phone. And thank you that I had another one. And this one's kind of cute and I like it. I think I'm going to keep it. And it's so weird how I was scared of it at first because I didn't understand how to use it. But now I love it and I don't want to let it go. And he reminded me of something. He just kind of correlated that. So he's like, yeah, that's kind of like what you've been going through with me lately. I was like, what? And he's like, you feel so disconnected from me. You feel like I can't reach you, like you can't hear me, like you're not connected to me. <coughs> when really all that was happening was I was connecting you in a new way. I was teaching you new things. Because see, what God had been doing lately in my life was speaking to me through his word. And that's a new thing for me. Like, I've always read the Bible, but mostly I've read it because you're supposed to read the Bible. Um, but I was reading it now because it was coming alive to me. 
and I wasn't hearing his voice in the same way that I had in the past, but every time I would open the Bible and just be studying some scripture, he would start talking to me about that scripture and start pointing things out to me, so much so that I got this blue notebook and I started taking notes of what I felt like he was teaching me about himself and about Jesus and about the word. And come to find out, like, that's where most of my messages are coming from now, from those notes that I took during that time with him that I'm having now in his word. And so it was just a sweet, sweet way for him to show me, you know, between the iPhone and the Android phone and me feeling like I was disconnected and me feeling like I didn't know how to use this new phone. It was Greek to me and, and then getting used to it and actually liking it. And that's kind of what started happening with me hearing from him and getting into his word. And when I was getting this message ready for tonight, that's actually what he reminded me of. And I felt like that there are those of you that were going to be here tonight that feel like you're not hearing from him or like you're not hearing from him the same way that you used to. Or maybe you feel <coughs> disconnected. Like you want to be connected and you're not really sure if you're connected to him. And I just want to encourage you and say that he is so there with you. You are so connected. He never leaves us, right? And I just want to encourage you because, and even challenge you really, because he might be trying to talk to you in a new way and connect with you in a new thing. So sometimes, in my experience, he's gotten quiet in other areas that I got really used to, and he started showing up and speaking to me in new places, in new ways that maybe I didn't expect. And I think that that might be the same for some of you here. So I just really encourage you tonight to, to get with him, especially if you're feeling disconnected, and just ask him, are you talking to me in a new way? Because I know that I'm connected. I know that you're right here with me. So I just encourage you in that. So um, my message tonight is actually on scandalous grace. And like I said, the notes from that time with him, those times with him in my sunroom where I'm writing in the blue journal is where this comes from. We're going to be in John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from my favorite, the Passion Translation. So follow along with me in whatever translation you have on your phone, on your smartphone, or if you brought your Bibles. We're going to start with verse 1. And this is all about Jesus healing the man that was born blind. Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness? His own or the sin of his parents? Jesus answered, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. And I think, I mean, it says it right there in verse 1. I thought that was so interesting. The first thing is it says that Jesus noticed the man. He just noticed him. Um, he'd been blind since birth. And Jesus is just walking by, and he notices him. He didn't cry out. Like we hear of other people in the Bible, there's other stories where people that need healing cry out to the Lord, or they call attention to themselves to get Jesus to notice them. And that's not what happened in this situation. Jesus just noticed him, this man that was born blind. The man, the man didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to earn his healing. He didn't have to cry out. Jesus just noticed him. And what spoke to me just in that verse right there is 
We don't have to do anything to get God's attention. We don't have to be good. We don't have to do enough. He notices us. He already sees what we're going through. His grace, his grace is what it's all about. It's the grace of Jesus, right? The definition of grace is the free and unmerited, undeserved flavor, favor or blessing of God. That's what grace is. It's not anything that we can earn. It's not anything that we can do. It's free and undeserved. All right, let's go back to chapter 9. And in verse 2, it tells us the disciples asked Jesus, whose sin caused this blindness, him or his parents? And I know I've been guilty of the same thing. Like, I don't know, for me, I don't know about you guys. I know that y'all are super holy and perfect, so probably not you guys. But for me, like, if you see perhaps like a homeless person, and they're holding their sign, and they're asking for money, and they look perfectly healthy, and you're just thinking to yourself, well, you look healthy to me, you know? Why can't you have a job? Why, do you, why are you standing in the corner asking me for money? You know, I've been, I've been guilty of that. I've thought that. Um, I read recently in a book, um, Dr. Stephen Covey tells the story about um, he was on a subway one time and in the city where he lives in, and he got on the subway, and at the next stop, this man got on, and he had um, three or four kids with him, I can't remember, and they were young kids, and they were being really loud and disruptive. And they were bumping into people and like throwing the ball and just, just being super, almost like obnoxious is how he described it. And he, Stephen was getting really irritated. And he's like, why is this man doing anything? He's just sitting there watching his kids go wild, act like brats and be crazy. And he keeps looking over at the guy. And you know how we can give those kind of looks, you know, the hairy eyeball look. He keeps trying to, you know, everybody on the train has noticed these kids and everybody's, you know, getting really irritated. So finally, it just really gets out of hand and Dr. Covey just looks at him and he says in his story, in the narrative, he said, I said it in the nicest way I could, but I'm sure I was still pretty ticked off. You know, sir, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you'd get a handle on your kids and maybe control them a little better, being really wild. And the guy looks up like almost in a daze and he's like, oh, they are? Oh, I didn't even notice. Their mom just died an hour ago, and we're just on our way home from the ICU. And Dr. Covey was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I just assumed you weren't taking care of your kids. And all those assumptions go through our head, right, when we see a situation like that? They're not good parents. They're not paying attention. They're checked out. You know, all those things. I think we've all been guilty of that. And what I would challenge you with tonight is don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Extend that grace because you never know what that person may be going through. So I think it's real interesting that the disciples said this about this blind man. You know, who caused this? What sin did he do? Why is this happening? You know, they were judging him just, just like we do today. Um, I recently read a quote by Diane Stone. It's easy to justify a casual attitude about pain and suffering when we equate it as something that was deserved. I know, that really hurt. I'm going to say that again. It's easy to justify a casual attitude about someone's pain and suffering when we equate it as something that was deserved. 
So let's not make those assumptions or those judgments because none of us deserve the grace of God, right? None of us deserve it. We need to be like Jesus and extend <coughs> grace. Let's go back to our text in John chapter 9. We're going to pick up in verses 6 and 7. Then Jesus spat on the ground and made some clay with his saliva. Then he anointed the blind man's eyes with the clay. And he said to the blind man, Now go and wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool of Siloam. So he went and washed his face, and as he came back, he could see for the first time in his life. And so that's awesome. So there's this miracle. This guy's been blind his whole life. And here comes Jesus. He notices him. And then he does the weirdest thing. He spits in the ground and makes clay. Now back in those days, when I was studying this out, they said it was very common when you're walking by a person, a blind person sitting at the gate begging. They considered blindness back then a curse. They, just like the disciples had said, they thought you had sinned or something your parents had did. So the way that they acknowledge that you're cursed is as they walk by you, they spit. So every time somebody walked by him, they would spit. So that was kind of like, you're cursed. Just kind of like condemning him, acknowledging that he's cursed. That was, their con- that was common in their culture, to spit. So I think it's so interesting that the way Jesus is going to minister to this man is he's going to spit on the ground. Isn't that weird? That that, out of all the ways he could heal him, I mean, he's done all kinds of miracles, right? There's all kinds, he could just touch his eyes and say, see, in the name of Jesus, you know, in my name, see. Be unblind. But that's not what he did. Think about it for one second, just go there with me. Let's just do a visual. So you've been blind your whole life. Every time somebody walks by you because you have to beg to eat and to provide for yourself. You've been born that way. You've never seen anything. You're sitting at the gate. You're holding your sign. Every time somebody walks by you, they spit. They curse you. They declare that you're cursed. So you're hearing all this condemnation, all this accusation your whole life. And then here comes this man. He notices you. And he spits. Except he does something totally different. So you've heard that sound your whole life, that spitting sound. Every time you hear that sound, you're condemned. You're a sinner. You're cursed. You're no good. This is your fault. This is happening because you deserve it. Every time. Only now, this time. This time the man hears that sound. And it's totally different. Because it's the sound of the healer. And isn't it just like our Jesus? Isn't it just like him to use the very thing, the very thing that the enemy has used against you your whole life to bring you your healing? So he spits and the blind man hears it. And he bends down and he makes the clay. 
And he stands back up and he puts it on his eyes. And he says, go wash, be clean, receive your miracle. Can you imagine that? That sound that you've associated your whole life with condemnation and shame is now suddenly flipped and it's the sweet sound of your miracle you've waited your whole life for. Your miracle that you didn't even know was coming anymore. You've been waiting so long. Isn't that just like the Lord? It tells us at Genesis chapter 50 that what the enemy meant for evil the Lord will turn it around and use it for good. And that's true for some of us here tonight. Listen now, I'm talking to somebody. There's something the enemy has used and beat you up with and condemned you with and shamed you with and hurt you with, offended you with. That's the very thing sometimes that the Lord wants to use to bring you healing, to bring you breakthrough. He'll use that thing that's come against you and against you and against you and against you and hurt you and hurt you and hurt you, and he'll bend down and he'll mix it with himself. He'll mix it with some Jesus, and he'll bring you the healing and the miracle and the breakthrough that you've been waiting for. Go back to our text in John chapter 9. We're going to skip ahead to verse 13. So what's happened now, the blind man's been healed. The people in the community are like super excited. They're amazed. They're like, is this the man that we've known that's been born blind and that sits at the gate every day? This is the same guy. We can't even believe it. And so everybody's super excited, especially the man that's been healed. You know, he's happy to have his sight. But then here come the religious people. Here come the Pharisees. So let's, let's pick up in our story. John chapter 9, verse 13. So the people marched him over to the separated ones, the Pharisees, to speak with them. They were concerned because the miracle Jesus performed happened on a Sabbath day, a day that no one was allowed to work. Then the separated ones asked the man, How did you have your sight restored? He replied, a man anointed my eyes with clay, then I washed, and now I can see for the first time in my life. Then an argument broke out among the separated ones over the healing of the blind man on the Sabbath. Some said, this man who performed this healing is clearly not from God. He doesn't even observe the Sabbath. Others said, if Jesus is just an ordinary sinner, how could he perform a miracle like that? Webster's defines the word scandalous as this, causing general public outrage by a perceived offense against morality or law. And so here's what's happening in this passage. Like I said, Jesus does this amazing miracle. The guy's happy. He can see. His friends and family are happy. The whole community is excited. They've just seen this astounding thing. And then here come the religious people the legalistic people, the separated ones. And instead of rejoicing and being happy for him and being grateful to witness this miracle, they're only worried about the rules. They're only worried about the law. See, the religious leaders considered what Jesus did to be scandalous. 
They were offended that he would work on the Sabbath. These were rabbinical laws, from what I understand, from what I studied. Um, so they were the man-made part additions to the law. Things that were considered by man, by man, to be work on the Sabbath. The law is there to point for the need for grace, the need for Jesus. And he was right there in front of them, and they couldn't even see it. They were so focused, focused on the law. And I think that's so ironic in this passage because here the blind man who has physical blindness gets healed, but it's the spiritual leaders who can't see. It's the religious leaders who are truly blind. The study notes on this passage of scripture when I was studying it out say this, and I thought this was so good. Traditions and superficial knowledge of the Bible can actually blind our hearts if we do not believe in Jesus above all other religious dogmas. Many of those who knew the scriptures refused to believe. And in a nutshell, here's what I want to say about that. Reading the Bible isn't enough. Knowing the scripture by heart isn't what it's about. Knowing all the rules, being able to recite the commandments, knowing if there's 10 or 12, because I always get that mixed up. That's not what it's about either. <coughs> it's about having a real, authentic relationship with Jesus, an intimate relationship with your Savior. All those other things are awesome, and they're important, and they come with it, but they are not above your relationship with Him. They're not. So... The illustration I have is this for that. So I um, decide to go out after work with my girlfriends, and I have way too much to drink. Actually, I get drunk. Let's say I get drunk. I know I can't drive. Super dangerous. Not smart. So I call one of my girlfriends who's a Christian, a believer, somebody I can trust. And I'm like, hey, Susie Joe, can you come get me? I'm at the bar downtown. I've had way too much to drink, and I shouldn't be driving. And she says to me, you know, in the Bible, it says, don't get drunk on wine. So I can't come get you because the Bible says, don't come get drunk on wine. So I'm sorry, I can't come get you because that's the rules. That's the law. It says so in the Bible. I mean, that's ridiculous. And that's exactly what was going on here. You know, it's like John says to me when we're watching, um, he, he watches this Monday night football show that comes on right before the Monday night game and they always do some kind of like crazy play where you're just like what just happened and the announcer goes come on man and that's what I felt like you know when I was reading this and they were getting mad about him for healing a man born blind you guys he's never seen he's never seen and he heals him on the Sabbath and that's what they want to focus on Let's don't be legalistic or religious like that in our relationship with the world. Not just to each other, not just other believers, but in our relationship with the ones we are called to love. Please do not put the commandments and the law and the um, cultural norms above loving them like Jesus. Because when we do that, when we put those laws and those rules and all those um, pol 
religiously correct things ahead of loving them like Jesus, we have missed what the heart of the gospel is all about. We've missed the whole heart of the gospel. Jesus said this, follow me. And Paul said it like this in Ephesians, be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Finally, let's close by reading the end of John chapter 9. So we're skipping a little further ahead again just for the sake of time. John chapter 9, verse 24. And this poor man that was healed, bless his heart, he has the patience of a saint for sure because the religious leaders have now pulled him back in and they're grilling him again in front of everybody in the temple, right? So we're in John 9, 24. So once again, they summoned the man who was healed of blindness and said to him, Swear to God to tell us the truth. We know the man who healed you is a sinful man. Do you agree? The healed man replied, and I love this so much. I have no idea what kind of a man he is. All I know is that I was blind, and now I can see for the first time in my life. But what did he do to you, they asked. How did he heal you? The man responded, I told you once, and you didn't listen to me. Why do you make me repeat it? Are you wanting to be his followers too? I bet that went over really well. (laughs) This angered the Jewish leaders. They heaped insults on him. We can tell you're one of his followers. Now we know it. We are true followers of Moses. For we know that God spoke to Moses directly. But as for this one, we don't know where he's coming from. Well, what a surprise this is, the man said. You don't even know where he comes from, but he healed my eyes and now I can see? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but only to godly people who do as well. Yet who has ever heard of a man born blind that was healed and given back his eyesight? I tell you, if this man isn't from God, he wouldn't be able to heal me like he has. Some of the Jewish leaders were enraged and said, Just who do you think you are to lecture us? You were born a blind filthy sinner. So they threw the man out on the street. And that, my friends, is the enemy's favorite tactic to get you off your game, to pull you away from your call. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Listen, I know all about this. I'm the world champion of hearing this from the enemy. It's his favorite way to get to me, and I've been battling this for a long, long time, and it's something you have to do on purpose and consistently to get rid of that. But even this morning, after all that time of me battling and and being used to hearing that and not wanting to hear it anymore, I got woken up at 5 o'clock this morning because I'm preaching tonight. I should have known. I'm I'm thankful, seriously, that I got to sleep that long. I got woken up at 5 o'clock with all these reminders. It's like a movie playing in my mind, actually. I could see it like on video. And it was stuff, it was a situation and stuff that I did back when I was 19, 20 years old. I mean, y'all, I'm old, that was a long time ago. And so I'm seeing this just play out, just out of nowhere, this is just playing in my head and I'm hearing, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to preach tonight? Who do you think you are to point other people to Jesus? Who do you think you are to talk about being a good Christian, being holy, being set apart for God's vessel, for God's use? 
Who do you think you are? Well, listen, I'm a pro at this now. So I got up, went and made my coffee, went and sat in the sunroom, and I started telling him who I am. I started reminding him from much practice, started telling him who I am. The enemy will try and tell you that you're not worthy of your calling, that you don't deserve your healing, your breakthrough, or your miracle. And listen, none of us deserves any of that. None of us deserve anything good. If it wasn't for Jesus, none of us deserve grace. But that's why it's so scandalous. So when the enemy starts reminding you of all that you've done wrong, you start hearing that track, or if you're like me, and you start seeing it, in your mind. Don't listen to that. Get up and make your cup of coffee. Go in your sunroom or whatever your thing is. And you start telling him who you are. You are a chosen son or daughter of the most high God. Thank you very much. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are beautiful. You are holy and set as part for his purposes. That's the truth about who you are. And that's what we have to remember. So tonight, I'm telling you, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is and what he did. It's about his grace. So tonight, receive your miracle. Receive your breakthrough. Receive your healing. Because it isn't about you. It never was. It's always been about him and what he did that day for us on the cross. By his stripes we are healed, the scripture says. He came to set the brokenhearted and those captives free and to heal the brokenhearted. He did that. It's all about him. It's all about what he wants to do for you and not what you can do for him. So I want to pray for you guys now. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that we can gather together in your name and hear your heart for us. Father, I thank you for the ones that are, that are here tonight that were maybe feeling disconnected from you. That were maybe, maybe they were feeling like they weren't hearing from you like they used to or as often as they used to. They just didn't feel that connection. Kind of like me when I was in Mississippi and I felt so disconnected, God. Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would draw them to yourself. And Lord, I especially pray for the ones that you're calling to go deeper with you into your word, like you've been doing with me. I pray that you would meet with them there, God. That your words would come alive off the page. You would breathe fresh on your word, God. And Father, whichever way it is that you're calling them, I pray that tonight they feel that shift. That tonight is the night that they feel that connection again as you take them to those deeper levels of knowing you and hearing you and sensing you. Father, I also pray um, that everything that the enemy meant for evil in our lives, God, that you would turn it to good. Every place where he has used that thing to condemn us and shame us, like the blind man, every time he heard people spit 
Lord, I pray that you would turn it around and it would be the very thing, the very thing, God, that you use to heal us, to bring us our miracle, to bring us our breakthrough. And Lord, I also pray that we would not be so blinded by laws and rules and traditions that we would miss you and your heart and the truth of the gospel. I pray that you would do miracles, signs and wonders through us, God, and that we wouldn't be worried about the rules or the law. Father, I pray that we would receive fully the scandalous grace of the cross and that we no longer listen to the lies and accusations of our enemy, but we would remember it's because of Jesus and Jesus alone that we are receiving our breakthrough and our healing and our miracles. And finally, Father, I pray that we would be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant and sweet offering and sacrifice to you, God. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks for listening to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. You can find more information about us on our website, on Facebook, on Twitter, or even on Instagram. At SM Supper Club is our handle. If you loved hearing from Carla, please make sure you check out all of her material. She has podcasts. She's all over social media, and she's even available for booking speaking events. So please go to her website at www.carlaswanigan.com for more information on that. That's Carla with a K. Have an amazing week. We hope that you'll tune into the podcast again. We have different guest speakers every week that are sharing from their heart, their experience, and from the heart of God.